So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to For IndyCar's Sake, the brash, less complicated, but much faster sister podcast of For F1's Sake. Like we should all have American things, spangles and spangles. Tra- trainers, sneakers. Welcome to For IndyCar's Sake, the podcast that will begin with the US national anthem and end with us all drinking way too much milk. Mmm, milk. Welcome to For IndyCar's Sake, the podcast that is actually quite dangerous. Is it, though? It's just driving around in circles. Yeah, but if you hit Matt's wall at 200 miles an hour, it could really hurt. I'm Chica Rez, and today from producer Matt's penthouse apartment in Mayfair, we discuss the 500-mile extravaganza from the Brickyard. Yes, it's the Indy 500, and for one year only, there's a grumpy Spaniard itching to sit in a picnic chair. Prepare for our in-depth guide to America's biggest race. For a little treat, we thought we'd run through some Indy 500 facts, by which we mean three facts about the Indy 500. I think two and a half, really. Mine doesn't really count as a fact. <sighs> yeah. What is the Indy 500? Well, it's a big race, isn't it? In America. It's sort of America's version of the Monaco Grand Prix, except instead of on the streets of Monaco, it's at a big sort of football field. How many people are in it? Well, quite a lot. Currently, 33 cars start in rows of three, but in the past there have been as few as 21 drivers in 1916 and as many as 42 drivers in 1933. Why are they in rows of three? Because otherwise the the last person on the grid would be in front of the pole position. (laughs) There's so many of them. Yeah. We're used to Formula One where you're lucky to get double figures. Mm. They have got a lot of cars. A lot of drivers. Big place. And the track's really wide. So they can fit three. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And why do we give a toss about this? Fernando Alonso? Yeah. Normally, this race is boring. And sometimes I watch the last lap on YouTube and go, cool, that was good. And occasionally I watch the whole thing and get really fucking boring. Five hundred miles. Yeah. Oh, so, but they do go pretty quickly. It's called the Indy 500. It's usually usually about three, three and a bit hours, something like that. And sometimes four, depending on how many cautions they do, do, which they do a lot of. Yep. Basically, what happens is that they that they don't actually count the miles. They start the race, and then when the proclaimers get there, <laughs> race is over. Well, no, because once they've done that, they then have to do 500 more. Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Just to see the, the man. It's America's biggest race. It gets 
way more people there than any F1 race. They get like 350, 400,000 people go. All of America watches it. It's one of those big events where, like, even if you don't watch IndyCar or motor racing, it's like the Super Bowl. You watch the Indy 500. Um, Is it exciting? It's very much their equivalent of the Bake Off final. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Mary Berry's in it. The whole track used to be covered in Mary Berry, but now there's just a line of Mary Berry at the start and finish track. You may be confusing Mary Berry with Mary Bricky. Is it exciting? Yeah. Well, I mean... No. Are there many crashes? Um, yes. Yes. Oh. Americas have alternative views of what's exciting when it comes to motorsport, because it's an oval track. You know, like Suzuka's a figure eight yes. with wiggly bits in it? Yep. So the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, where the Indy 500 happens, is a, is an oval. I mean, a literal oval. Four corners, all left. Formula One went to Indy, and it was a bit overly, and then yeah. squiggly squiggle squiggles. Well, they've still got the squiggly 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 bits, but that's filled with drunk people in pickup trucks, not watching the race, apparently. So they just race around the outside. Uh, but they do it really quickly. They like to 230-odd miles an hour, apart from when caution flags come out, which they do a lot. Basically, but it can be exciting because you get, you, I mean, they go really, really fast. And when they crash, it's pretty spectacular. And it usually wipes out about 15 cars at once. It's things that we don't have in Formula One, right? They have banking. They have city fast oval tracks. I mean, I think they're stopping now, but they've got concrete walls everywhere. The whole thing is a death trap. It is quite dangerous. Have you ever been to a fairground? And they've got that thing where they have like the motorbike. Going the wall around, of death. The wall of death. Yeah. That's where they get it from. Yeah, it's the wall of death. It's the indie wall of death. Yeah. Yeah, Fernando Alonso's doing it, uh, which has garnered much attention because he's missing the Monaco Grand Prix to do it. But he's not the first F1 driver to do it, is he? No. Eight Formula 1 drivers that I have heard of have done the Indy 500. <laughs> and several more that, that that you haven't heard of. I see if I can reel them all off. Uh, Montoya? Yep. Villeneuve? Yep. Nigel Mansell? Yep. Rossi? Oh. Yeah, won it last year as a rookie. Eddie Cheever? Yep. Fittipaldi. Which one? Emerson. Yep. Graham Hill. Yep. Jackie. I think he said Jackie Collins. Jim, <laughs> Jim Clark. Jim. Never... Yep, Jim Clark. <laughs> and Jackie Collins. No. Is that it? Uh, Mark Donoghue. Never heard of him. I think there's another one that I can't remember who we sort of think of as regular F1 drivers. However... Mario Andretti. Oh, yeah, he's done it. He must have done it, probably. Um, like a but interesting fact... The Indy 500 was actually, for a good 10 or 11 years, part of the Formula One World Championship. So even though it was basically, it was back in the day where anyone could enter any old race, basically. And it was essentially just Americans and a few foreigners who came over, like Jim Clark. It was it was an F1 race. Yeah, but it wasn't. I mean, so it was. Anybody who's won the Indy 500 between 1950 and 1960 has also won an F1 race. Yeah, but not really. But not really. Not Which really. is why most of us have never heard of Bill Vukovic. We have actually got some more facts for you. Uh, well, let's start with mine. The track's first event wasn't a car competition, but in fact, in 1909, it was the launch site for a balloon race. 40,000 people came to watch and the winner ended up nearly 400 miles away in Alabama. Which yeah. must have been a gripping finish. Yeah, I mean, that's that's still what happens now. So at the end of the race, they put the winner in a balloon and the celebrations can only begin when he gets to Alabama. That's where we get the song. Sweet home, Indianapolis. Nigel Mansell would have won the Indy 500 in 1993 if it wasn't for the fact that 
near the end of the race, he went for a pit stop and drove into the wrong pit box. <laughs> Jesus, is embarrassing. I watched the whole race on YouTube the other week. It's well worth a look because... So, 93, he'd just come back from winning the Formula 1 World Championship. He was IndyCar racing for a year, wiped the floor with him, won the championship, was in the lead of the Indy 500, pits in the wrong pit, loses it. It's just cringeworthy. It's almost up there with that time when he was celebrating the Canadian Grand Prix win and turned his engine off at the last corner. Almost there. But he did, in fairness, well, that was the same year that he won the IndyCar series, of yeah. which the Indy 500 is part. Yeah. Because it's not just a one-off race, although unlike F1, a load of random drivers just racing the Indy 500. But there's, it's also the full normal IndyCar series set of drivers as well. Here's a fact. We often bitch in F1 that the quality of trophies varies dramatically. Uh-huh. Um, some of them are literally just sort of plastic Santander logos. Some of them are really good. The Indy 500 trophy, pretty damn good trophy. It's about five foot four tall. It's called the Borg Warner Trophy. And if you win it, you get a sculpture of your face welded onto the uh, welded onto the trophy for posterity. And there's currently like I don't know, fifty, sixty faces welded onto it. And is it like Wimbledon, where right at the end you see the guy who has to put the person's name on it? <laughs> is there some bloke that's going? Just the fuck does this guy look like? Frantically <laughs> sculpting. <laughs> oh shit! I think almost definitely. Uh, I like to think that they, they get out of the car and they just sort of slap plaster of Paris on it's their a, face. <laughs> right, yeah, another one looks like a helmet. Great. <laughs> But it, yeah, it's it's an impressive uh, it's an impressive trophy that the drivers do not get to keep because it's kept at the museum at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway most of the time, and they just get a little replica that they can take. Home. I've got a fact: Indy cars are fucking ugly. Whoa! Well, why? Uh, what do they look like? Here's a picture. <laughs> Basically, they look like hovercrafts. Front half looks a bit like a Formula One car from the nineties. Good. Back half, the, re- the they've got the rear wing that Formula 1 thought about and said, no, that looks stupid, that's in two halves. The rear tyres are covered up entirely with big orange plastic, if you're trying to do an answer. Otherwise, they just look daft. Well, they, they look that way. I mean, A, they're super aero because they go super quick. But the rear covers are actually to stop... Squirrels getting into the tyres. Right. Stop the squirrels. I mean, you've seen it in F1 as well sometimes. If, two, if a front and a rear tyre touch from different cars it usually results in one car Tire baby. Sent oh. soaring into the uh soaring into the air which in f1 is bad enough you remember um uh weber doing a backflip over uh was it Coverline and the other yeah uh if that happens at 230 miles an hour pretty dangerous um and ironically enough this the current generation of indycar chassis which everybody uses is called the Delara DW12 the DW stands for Dan Weldon who was killed in any car race in Las Vegas when that exact thing happened to him he went over the back of somebody's car and got thrown into the catch fencing and died so they they do look silly for a very very serious reason that I fear you're you're not taking seriously nope feel pretty bad now <laughs> <laughs> I have one more fact. Bratwurst. Brat In- fact. Bratwurst fact. Brat. Brat fact. Fact worst. <laughs> fact worst. Worst facts. <laughs> For some reason, inexplicably, Bratwurst is incredibly popular at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and they said enough during the race weekend if they laid them end to end to line the track once. So that's two and a half miles of Bratwurst. Do they do that? Do they yes. lay them end to end? 
Because that's where you get. That's where they keep them. They haven't got any fridge. In fact, there are no fridges. <laughs> well, that must make life a lot easier if you're a member of the crowd. Because normally, if they sell that many, presumably there's an enormous queue. But if they've just laid them literally all around the circuit, just walk up where you are, grab bratwurst, job done. Did you see on the first practice that Alonso did? He hit two birds. Uh, yeah, they got sucked into the car, shot out the back in pieces like like a cartoon. And followed the aerodynamics beautifully. I mean, yeah. if anything, they should be using birds, not smoking well, wind that's, tunnels. That's, that's <laughs> how they do things over there. It's like it's, it, over in Europe, they use Flovis paint. Whereas in. Get <laughs> the American. canaries out. <laughs> Delara chassis this year has got a new aviary attached to it, <laughs> especially for the testing purposes. So let's talk about Alonso's chances. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because on the one hand, He's a really, really good driver. He's not your, your average. I mean, if Alex would Rossi it, would, can win it, would it you'd think really... that somebody of Alonso can can do really well. But what's the difference between driving an F1 car and driving there? In, in well, just get really bored. But, <laughs> Essentially, but it's, would it it's be a whole similar to drive? Considering mean, none of us have driven one, in a sense one. that you know it's a car with four wheels and it and it reacts to physics the same way as anything does. But the the cars are quite different. Like they're built to only turn left like they'll they'll be set up off you know they're not symmetrical basically and the the real balance is to go as fast as you possibly can on the absolute limit of adhesion of the tires you're basically almost crashing all the time and the skill is to keep it right on that edge without crashing or going slow now Alonso should have incredibly good feel for what a car underneath him is doing it and they've got like they have like three weeks or something to set the cars up there's tons of practice it's already started as we record this two weeks before the race so if anybody is in a position to go into it as a rookie having never done an oval race before and be really good at it you would think it would be Fernando Alonso I can add to that by a quote I've got here he did a rookie test a couple of weeks ago he did watch my two million people on YouTube which is so dull but so you've got a <laughs> So you've got to get 10 laps between 205 and 210 miles an hour, and then 15 laps at 210 to 215, blah, 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 blah. At one point, is a quote from BBC article, Alonso has told over the radio he'd completed the 210 to 215 phase, and he goes to the next one where he had to get 215 to 220, and the very next lap, he got 219 miles, 0.495. And apparently the people who were, like, the IndyCar experts watching were just gobsmacked at the fact that when he's when they said go to 220 miles an hour the very next lap he was exactly on 220 miles an hour they're just like this is car control that they don't understand but like he's on another level so i think he can win it yeah i mean he's, he's probably based on my admittedly limited understanding of a lot of the the indy car drivers he must be one of the one of the most if not the most naturally talented driver but he is still a rookie he's not got that oval racing experience and it's very different <sighs> to do hard. practice laps just going round versus thundering three abreast into a corner with 30 other cars around you he was in a, he was in a team in massa for years come on <laughs> it'd be fine so that is all we have time for goodbye to phil tromans Goodbye. We haven't had time to talk about so much things. It's a mini podcast. I feel I should mention that there are a lot of traditions that we haven't had time to talk about, such as if you win, you get a load of milk, which you either drink or pour all over yourself. And also they sing a load of songs and there's a big American fly past and they sing Back Home in Indiana and all this kind of stuff beforehand. So if you're watching it, and I think it's on BT Sport in the UK, look out for all those things. And Terry Saunders. We also haven't had time to talk about the fact not only do they have milk, they have like a winner's reef. Like in the fifties, like in, in Formula F1. One, before they stopped them in Formula One because they were covering up too many sponsors. Brilliant, <laughs> Formula One, stay classy. In the meantime, check out our Facebook page, 
facebook.com forward slash for f one sake and follow us on Twitter at for f one sake and shall I say we'll be live tweeting the Monaco Grand Prix as normal but we'll also be live tweeting the what the Indy 500 the Independence 500 and we'll all be watching it together the three of us will be at Phil's house in Indianapolis that's right <laughs> Um, where we'll be watching it on his BT Sport coverage because despite my state of F1 the other week saying they should really get it on the Sky or Channel 4, no one's fucking listened, so we're going to have to go to Phil's house. Don't forget, you can still enter our 100 words story competition and the prize is... To spend the British Grand Prix with me and Phil. We won't be watching the Grand Prix, we're going to Ikea, but... You can but, help us pick out some lovely new curtains. I do need a lampshade. <laughs> There's a website. I've just... ff1s.com slash story. Yeah. You've got to email your story at wrong at ff1s.com to win this brilliant prize. Which comes with absolutely no extras. I've been Chica Ayers. I might give you a hand. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Chica Ayers. Goodbye. Bye. I'm sorry. <laughs> Podcast Network.